I can't do math, but we made it so many months to do this just so that we would have things to say. And it turns out we still don't have things to say. So sorry. This is us announcing the end of our podcast. And our friendship. <laughs> well, oh, look what I have. <gasps> Are you going to send them to me or what? Yeah. That's why I asked for your address and then I forgot to do it. <laughs> sorry. You guys. I know. We have middle brow stickers. We have stickers. Brad. Bradley Cooper. Olive's going to run up to you in Denver where you, the other Brad. You don't live. <laughs> a random brat that came up to me and I thought was you. I will bring that person stickers. Um, no, we have really cool stickers. That's our new logo that maybe you saw on our Instagram. I offered it to a few people and they just like never wrote me back. I think they think I'm trying to stalk them. I'm like, send me your address if you want stickers. And they just were like, Block. never again. <laughs> Block. Who do you hey, reach creeper. out to? Brad? No, he would never. Some girl who predicted that Ai Weiwei was our next person. Mm. And I was like, if you want a sticker... For getting the writing, I don't know. I made. I was just like anybody. Does anyone want a sticker? You get a sticker. You get a sticker. But nobody gave me their address, so I just feel like they're scared of me. But I promise, I'm not gonna hurt you. Did you also ask for their social security number? That might have been my mistake. Tell them about our new fan. Oh my god! First of all, Jeff. Can I call you Jeff? Jeff. I did not respond to your email. I'm just realizing. <laughs> <laughs> about the news about Yayoi's sculpture. Mm -hmm. So sad. Being, was that a tsunami or just like a big storm? What was happening? I don't even know. Listen, big waves are scary. Like bigger than six feet, I'm just afraid of you. That's a tsunami in my in my mind. <laughs> Do you remember in LA when they're like, a tsunami's coming? And it was a one foot. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> like legit one foot surge. It was like, don't you feel like it was one of the first times that we got like a mass alert on mm -hmm. our phones? Yeah, they're like, tsunami's coming, seek high ground. It was not that big a deal. But there are signs near the ocean mm -hmm. that say like tsunami zone. But that's like if an earthquake happens right off the coast and then Malibu's going underwater. I just feel like... Because you've seen the footage of when Japan got the really big tsunami, right? Yes, I just feel like if you live on an island or if you live on the coast. Wait, go back to Jeff. We're on a team. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jeff. Thanks for keeping us on track always. <laughs> Thanks for being the only person. That would be like research. a 45 minute detour on tsunamis. It really would. In coastal real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I I, yeah, I was going to start talking about Miami. <laughs> I got lots of material on that apparently. Jeff's our new best friend. So Jeff emailed us. I, we have two people. Jeff, our best friend, Jeff. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> You're now number two. <laughs> Just kidding. You're always number one. But Jeff's our second best. Um <laughs> What if we just start ranking so many people? <laughs> we have a list of friends. Um Who's the other Patreon girl? Shay? Yeah, that's her. She's very sweet. I've messaged with her many a time. Okay. Jeff. So his email was new fan in unlikely demographic. And then he basically, I feel weird reading someone's email because he didn't intend for us to read it on the air. Hey there, stumbled across Middlebrow while looking for a modern contemporary art history podcast. What the hell did I stumble into? <laughs> I am a white village dweller in the middle of Reagan Trump country. Um, I'm not going to say what county. <laughs> Past retirement age while still working. Started listening on a drive across the state and continued listening while walking my dog. I was laughing out loud. <laughs> and then he tried to spell rural. <laughs> and other hilarity, completely unplanned comic events that can only occur when unfocused. <laughs> he just calls us spazzy. Unfocused best friends get together. Love the show. Love the art information. And love the liberal bent intentions of you two. Should we I add that to our description? Like unfocused friends? 100%. <laughs> liberal bent intentions. Unfocused. 
He's cute. Okay, I read a weekly trope on Instagram where I make a point to highlight minority artists, scientists, and engineers, along with politics and my personal mundanity. Mundanity? How do you say that word? Mundanity. He says, anyways, keep it up. The 65-year-old project manager who hasn't had a haircut in over a year enjoys your show. Jeff, we love you so much. That was, that was maybe exciting. my favorite email of all time. So, Jeff, we enjoy you. I'd love to send you some stickers. Anyway, he wrote us a... This is the longest intro. I don't know how you even I just cut together. a lot out. Um, Like all of Tsunami, that's going. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. I like how you're doing it like in your head beforehand. <laughs> um, So if you want to be like Jeff and get a special shout out, leave us a review that Apple refuses to post. Oh, yeah, that was the point. Jeff sent us a review in and he said he couldn't see it and we still have never seen it. So sorry, Jeff. We really appreciate you trying to leave a review, but Apple hates us. Are you ready to learn about I? I'm so ready. Wait, first, I hate to say this, but I told Danny what the name of him was mm -hmm. in Spanish. This is really funny. What? I weigh. Oh. I weigh, weigh. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was like, that's his name. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Wait, 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 Welcome to Middle Brow. Oh, do you know what you're listening to? Oh, yeah. This is Middle Brow. Um, I'm here with my best friend. She doesn't remember who I am because mm -hmm. I haven't seen her for so long. But it's kind of like um, when people have their memories, like when Hermione Granger wiped her parents' memories. What's the spell? Hello, Hamoras to open locks. <laughs> <laughs> um obliviate or something yeah obliviate i just know like how her hand turns and she's like crying no but this really is my best friend her name is Lindsay schultz um this is someone who i met today and she says her name is olive moya it's true if you've never listened to middle brow or if you have i'm just gonna remind you because it's been th three thousand years uh, this is a mostly contemporary art podcast hosted by two unfocused best <laughs> friends <laughs> and completely average human artists. Uh, we talk about art. We try really hard to be interesting. Super, super interesting. I weigh. Um, weigh. And <laughs> I weigh, weigh. <laughs> I'm going to just start saying that yep. instead. Um, and we talk about art. We try to be interesting. And it's for artists. And people who just like art and might be intimidated by it. If you leave a review, take a screenshot of it before you submit it um, and send it to us with your address. Or if you don't trust me, <laughs> fake account information, PayPal information, the name of your firstborn child and send me your address and I'll send you a sticker. I'll send you more than one sticker. I don't know. On with the podcast. ever seen Ai Weiwei's art in person? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Not you, but for, for me. For you. <laughs> I don't think you have either. I'm pretty sure. You wouldn't have. He looks different than I thought he would. I don't know what I thought he looked like, but... Really? Yeah. What do you think he looked like? I guess I just didn't think he had facial hair. That was probably the biggest thing. I put this picture up with him in a cap because when I googled his name... There were so many pictures with him and cats, like a bunch of different cats. He just loves cats? I guess so. It's not mm. mentioned anywhere else. I just <laughs> thought it was a funny common theme in Google Images. I'm not I'm going to try not to judge him too quickly, but I'm not super into cats. He has the coolest like gray center of his beard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> his beard is just gray right in the center. It's cool. He was born, possibly, August 28th, 1957, what? although some sources say the 13th or the 18th, but most people agree it's August 28th, so. Today's his birthday. What? <gasps> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ai Weiwei. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Mm -hmm. 
wait, <clears throat> why do people, why is there discrepancy about this man's birthday? I don't birthday? know. I don't know if he's never answered it or if there's not like a clear birth certificate or what. Okay. He's another Leo though. We know that much. Yeah. Happy birthday, I. That's so I crazy. Wait. That we're recording on his birthday, unplanned. That is weird. So he grew up in the far northwest of China, where he lived under super harsh conditions due to his father's exile. And his father oh. was really cool. This is already as well. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I's father, I. So this isn't Japanese. So I'm gonna be struggling <laughs> on Ooh. this episode. Ooh, Dana, please yeah. know Chinese. Can you know it? I'm finding someone because all of these are gonna be incredibly okay. mispronounced we gotta find someone i ching 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 a q ching so i's father i ching was one of china's most renowned poets shortly after baby i was born sometime generally in august <laughs> today it was today today communist officials accused father i of being a rightist and the family was exiled to remote locales is right. Yeah. So I went on our right or is it the other right? <laughs> so I kind of right went, is left. But I was like, he's a poet. He's not a rightist. Yeah, exactly. Right must mean left. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where like I kind of went on Wikipedia to get answers. <laughs> so Yay. This is why we like you. <laughs> <clears throat> um so for those who are confused about rightist, in this instance, it officially referred to those intellectuals who appeared to favor capitalism or were against one-party rule as well as forcible state-run collectivization. The original use of the term right-wing relative to communism placed the conservatives on the right, liberals in the center, and the communists on the left. Both the conservatives and liberals were strongly anti-communist. First sent to labor camp when I was one years old in the northeastern province of Heilongjiang. Heilongjiang. And then the family was subsequently exiled to the northwestern autonomous region of Xinjiang. Upon Mao's death and the end of the Cultural Revolution, the family returned to Beijing in 1976. We know Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> So look at these photos of him being a youngster with his papa. Weiwei had become interested in art, and in 1978, he enrolled at the Beijing Film Academy, though he found more creative and intellectual stimulation as part of a collective of avant-garde artists called the Xingxing, which is translated as stars. He was among the first generation of students to study abroad following China's reform in 1980, becoming one of 161 students to take the TOEFL, which is Test of English as a Foreign Language, in 1981. So he took that test and got to come to the U.S. This makes me realize I have no concept of Chinese history, like even recent. Like 1981, where what was happening? I have no idea. Was it the same? Was it better, worse? I don't know. Eager to escape the restrictions of Chinese society, he moved to the States in 1981. For the first few years, I lived in Philadelphia and San Francisco. He studied English at the University of Pennsylvania and University of California, Berkeley. Shout out to Cal. <laughs> I didn't go there, but great. <laughs> a lot of people wear Cal sweatshirts up here. <laughs> <laughs> Later, he moved to New York City, where he studied briefly at Parsons School of Design. And remember, <gasps> That's all us. of our photo equipment at Otis uh -huh. at like Otis slash Parsons. Did they also, I feel like maybe I created this in my brain that they crossed the Parsons. Yeah, out I think so. Point. It's like, <laughs> no longer. No, Otis. <laughs> Just does. I attended the Art Students League of New York. Do you remember that? We've talked about that. Obviously, yes. He attended that from 83 to 86, where he studied with Bruce Dorfman, Knox Martin, and Richard Pousset Dirt. I don't know any of these people. I looked I them up. I thought for sure you knew. Nope. And then I was like, well, she'll tell me. Oh, quickly, I was trying to tell my neighbors about the artist that just like, paddled out to sea and never came back <laughs> yeah and they were like really and i'm like yeah like i acted like i knew yeah Maybe. totally they're like what was his name and i'm like well i mean and then and then i, <laughs> I was like maybe he's just not done yet maybe he's coming back i don't know 
<laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I, just, I don't uh, know who that artist is. I would like to know if you know. Bas Jan Adder. Bastian Johan Christian Bas Jan Adder. Disappeared in 1975, was a Dutch conceptual and performance artist. He disappeared in 1975 in the North Atlantic Ocean. Nearly a year after his departure in April 76, a Spanish fishing crew found Adder's boat off the Irish coast. The artist oh. himself was never found. He's not coming back. Nope. Wouldn't that be so fucking cool if he did, though? <laughs> like, 60 years later, he's like, hey, guys, remember me? And everyone's like, who the fuck are you? He's like, that game. Remember you were literally only famous for disappearing. <laughs> They're like, go away again, because no one cares. <laughs> oh, poor Bass. <laughs> boss? No, really, though, poor Boss yeah. died. Okay, so... I don't know any of those artists where he, who he studied with, but later he dropped out of the Art Students League of New York and made a living out of drawing street portraits and working on. You gotta jobs. do what you gotta do. Imagine if some like random person held onto theirs and they have an original Ai Weiwei oh my god of them. I wonder if they changed his name like Christo, right? Didn't he use his like maiden name? Oh, his, like, so mom's it wasn't maiden name yeah. When he so did that no portraits. one would connect him. Because he was ashamed. I would do that too. I don't know why, but Ai Weiwei just doesn't seem like yeah, the type. Yeah, it's me. Yeah, he just seems like, I don't, I literally know not, the paragraphs you've read to me and the pictures of him are all I know about him. And I'm like, he just is confident. <laughs> I can feel it. Look at him sit there with a cat. Look at him pulling his eyes open. Okay. During this period, he gained exposure to the works of Marcel Duchamp, Andy Warhol, and Jasper Johns, and began creating conceptual art by altering ready-made objects. This is what I thought was so cool. I befriended poet, B-poet Allen Ginsberg while living in New York following a chance meeting at a poetry reading where Ginsberg read out several poems about China. Ginsberg had traveled to China and met Ai's father, Ai Ching, and consequently, Ginsburg and I became friends. That is nuts. How cool is that? That's super nuts. Yeah. So a movie I really like is Kill Your Darlings, and Daniel Radcliffe plays Alan Ginsburg. I just remember seeing the trailer for that weird movie where he like grows horns randomly, and I was like, mm, <laughs> maybe we don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. When he was living in the East Village from 83 to 93... How many ten. years is that, Olive? That's, Can a good, you that? that's a good 10 years. I carried a camera with him all the time and would take pictures of his surroundings. At the same time, I became fascinated by blackjack card games and frequented Atlantic City casinos. He is still regarded in gambling circles what? as a top-tier professional blackjack player. <sighs> I just love when people are super <laughs> weird and random. Like, I love <laughs> these little things about him. Although I initially focused on painting, he soon turned to sculpture inspired by the ready-made works of Marcel Duchamp and Joseph Boys. Among his early creations exhibited at a solo show in New York City in 1988 were a wire hanger bent bent into the shape of Duchamp's profile and a violin with a shovel handle in place of its neck. Hmm. This part makes me so happy because it's like, him being exposed to this new way of working and trying to find his place but i like it because it's like he's normal that period where you're finding yourself and you're experimenting and it's just like not recognizably him basically everyone yeah i like knowing that. like we've done so many artists and they're also just fabulous and amazing and getting like grants and i was like testing shit doing weird things and yeah finding his place like we all have to there was a little market for eyes. They hated his work. violin. His uh, caricatures. <laughs> for his blackjack work, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> the eye in the sky was like, listen, buddy, get out mm. of here. We don't want you in Atlantic City anymore. Take your bent wire hangers. He just has it with him Go. all the time. Here, this is my friend Do you Wire want a Man. caricature of your face in wire? <laughs> I can only do profiles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just pushing it against their face <laughs> to copy <laughs> the profile 
I'm just picturing a cartoon. He just has a straight piece of wire and he just slams it against someone's face. Done. (laughs) Sticks it on a violin. Art. Duchamp's like, bro, all I did was sign a urinal. Like, you're trying way too hard. (laughs) It wasn't even my idea. I stole it from this girl. (laughs) Okay. Crying. So there was little market for ice work. <laughs> Everyone However, hated everything he made. <laughs> in 1993, when his father fell ill, Wait, how he old is he in 93? 36. Okay, 36. Exploring the fraught relationship of an increasingly modernized China to its cultural heritage, I began creating works that irrevocably transformed century-old Chinese artifacts. For instance, a Han Dynasty urn onto which he painted the Coca-Cola logo. He did this in 94. And pieces of Ming Ming. and Qing Qing. era furniture broken down and reassembled into various non-functional configurations. Immediately. Now he's figuring it out. Now he knows what the hell he's doing. Wait, are these legitimate ones or he remakes them? They're real ones. they're real vases. Damn. Or urns, I mean. Vases. Vases for dead bodies. Um, This photo thing, it's like a photo of him with a vase urn thing. I guess it is urn, with the urn. Then the next is like him dropping it and it's in the air. And then the next one is broken on the ground and his hands are still out. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. He's just cool. I like him. So in dropping a Han Dynasty urn, I dropped and shattered a 2,000 year old ceremonial urn. And then the the government came for him immediately. (laughs) The Han Dynasty is considered a defining moment in Chinese civilization. This is an act of high symbolic power. Did he, how did he access this urn? He stole it. I need to know. How do you get an urn like that? You can't just have one. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. All right. When I'll you see him, him at the blackjack table, ask him. I'll let him draw my thing first just to get on his good side and then I'll ask him. I said, my intention here was humorous, even though it obviously has a provocative nature, but provocative towards what? During the Cultural Revolution in China, a lot of history and meaning was destroyed with clear political intent. Mm. Antiques destroyed, temples burned, Buddha sculptures demolished. Throughout China's history, you can observe the tendency of trying to get rid of what has been in the past. When I was confronted with the outcry from many antique dealers at the time, I told them that General Mao used to tell us that we can only build a new world if we destroy the old one. My act is simple, silly, and has no profound meaning Shut from up. the outside, however. It does. <laughs> every, however, every act of mine is interpreted differently. Sometimes it's really surprising. I just do whatever I do. I don't think about it too much. I love him so much. <laughs> I think I have a crush on you him. You will also like these. Study of Perspective, 95 to 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you, fuck all y'all. For people who can't see, what is the universal fuck you in a hand gesture? The middle finger. It's just a picture. He's taking the picture. He's giving the finger to all of these different establishments and or just like, what is the this? The White House. Eiffel Tower. What's the This that photographic series was made between 1995 and 2017. Throughout the series, viewers see Eye's left arm extended forward with the middle finger raised to significant institutions, landmarks, and monuments from around the world. These pictures mimic tourist photos and encourage people to question their adherence and acceptance towards governments, institutions, and establishments. This series speaks out about I's beliefs regarding freedom of speech, empowerment of the people, and democratic values, and showcases his activist side in true colors. I constantly shows a reminder that we need to represent our own values and not those created by others. That's why he only points at buildings and not at people. He understands that people are the ones that will be able to change things. It would just be fun if he pointed it at people, too. (laughs) (laughs) The first one in the series was shot at Tiananmen Square in 1995, where during the 1989 democracy movement protests, hundreds to thousands of 
unarmed protesters were killed. The photo first appears to be a classic tourist photo in which Ai sticks his middle finger up at the Tiananmen Square Gate. This offensive gesture reveals Ai's disdain for the communist China rulers and what they stood for. So other landmarks are White House in Capitol Hill, the Eiffel Tower in Paris, the Reichstag in Berlin. The gesture is the focal point in the photo as the objects that are closer to the eye appear larger. Thus, his statement is the key point in this photo. The fuck you is the focal point. (laughs) Due to its popularity, I was detained and questioned at length in 2011 by the Chinese police with all the questions pointing towards the Tiananmen photo. Following Ai's detention, other people began to post similar images of themselves cool. on the internet as a signal of solidarity. That's so His good. work has not only brought attention to a number of social issues, but has garnered support and inspired other activities. The Tiananmen photo is banned from appearing in any Chinese okay. media. China's too scary for me. I can't handle it. At least in America, we can still put our middle finger up to things and not be in trouble. <laughs> for now. Um, yeah. Uh, it gets worse. Yeah, I had a feeling that that was going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. In 1999, I moved to Cao Changdi in the northeast of Beijing and built a studio house, his first architectural project. Due to his interest in architecture, he founded the architecture studio Fake Design in 2003. <laughs> He's my favorite. I love him too much. So here were the I'm going to remarry. I'm just going to divorce Danny and marry I. Sorry. I think I just really love him. (laughs) I'm just kidding, babe. These are the only photos I could find that said it was his studio. It looks like a really big building. So I don't know how this is his studio. And all he does is take photos like while on vacation. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, I have this big studio so that I can just. It seriously looks like a contemporary castle to me. It looks really beautiful. Or like a prison. It looks like a really beautiful prison. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. Bird's Nest 2008. This is something we all know. Do you recognize this from the Olympics? No. No. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, I don't watch. Did you not watch like opening ceremony or anything? I don't watch the Olympics. I don't watch. Yeah. Sorry. At all? Why would you think I would watch the Olympics? What could I possibly be interested in? People do amazing things. I know that. I'd be interested in like, I don't know, something. Yeah. If someone turned it on, I would love to watch it. For everyone else who watches the Olympics. Everyone. I was commissioned as the artistic consultant for design, collaborating with the Swiss firm Herzog et Dumeron for the Beijing National Stadium for the 2008 Summer Olympics, also known as the Bird's Nest. It's beautiful. Although ignored Yeah, it's really pretty. Although ignored by the Chinese media, he had voiced his anti-Olympics views. Do you love him even more? I love him so much. (laughs) He later distanced himself from the project, saying, I've already forgotten about it. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten about it. Forgot that I designed that gigantic building used for the Olympics. I turned down wow. all the demands to have photographs with it, saying it is part of a pretend smile of bad taste. Oh, he's <laughs> such a badass. He basically was like, you can pay me to design a building, but then I'm just going to be like, I forgot about it. In August 2007, he also accused those choreographing the Olympic opening ceremony, including Steven Spielberg and Zhang Yimo of failing to live up to their responsibility as artists. I said, it's disgusting. I don't like anyone who shamelessly abuses their profession, who makes no moral judgment. What? (laughs) But he designed the building. (laughs) He forgot about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Stephen's like, I I forgot too. (laughs) I totally forgot. I have amnesia, actually. So in February 2008, Spielberg withdrew from his role as advisor to the 2008 oh, Summer Olympics. Shit, he was affected. When, when asked why he participated in the design of the bird's nest in the first place, I replied, I did it because I love design. No, he forgot. <laughs> he loved design, but then he forgot. He gets to do whatever he wants. He gets to do mm-hmm. it and not judge himself. <laughs> but judge other people. Everyone else. <laughs> very harshly. Okay, I still he, really like him a lot. 
So he boycotted the Olympics, highlighting the discrepancy between China's patriotic rhetoric and yet its terrible human rights record. Mm -hmm. Quote, it was merely a stage for a political party to advertise its glory to the world. He told Japanese newspaper Yomiori Shimbun, since the Olympics, I haven't looked at it. <laughs> um, He's absurd. Yeah. Also, in 2008, 10 days after an 8.0 magnitude earthquake in Sichuan province on May 12th, I led a team to survey and film the post-quake conditions in various disaster zones. In response to the government's lack of transparency in revealing names of students who perished in the earthquake due to poor campus construction, uh. I uh, recruited volunteers online and launched a citizen's investigation to compile names and information of the student victims. On April 14, 2009, the list had accumulated 5,000 385 names. Oh my God. And they wouldn't talk yep. about it? Oh, that's really messed up. I published the collected names as well as numerous articles documenting the investigation on his blog, which was shut down by <gasps> Chinese authorities in May 2009. He also posted his list of names of school children who died on the wall of his office at Fake Design in Beijing. I suffered headaches and claimed he had difficulty concentrating on his work since returning from Chengdu in August 2009, where he was beaten by the police for trying to testify for Tan Zuoren, a fellow investigator of the shoddy construction and student casualties. On September 14, 2009, I was diagnosed to be suffering internal bleeding in a hospital in Munich, Germany, and the doctor arranged for emergency brain surgery. Oh my god. The cerebral hemorrhage is believed to be linked to the police attack. What the fuck? So it happens when you do the right thing. <laughs> According to the Financial Times, in an attempt to force I to leave the country, two accounts used by him had been hacked in a sophisticated attack on Google in China, dubbed Operation Aurora. Their contents read and copied. His bank accounts were investigated by state security agents who claimed he was under investigation for, quote, unspecified suspected crimes. So this is probably one of his most... Oh, no. Are you messing with Gain again? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably his most well-known piece i would say okay it's called sunflower seeds in 2010 this image looks familiar it is a large room super tall ceilings inside um and it's like the whole floor is coated in what looks like sunflower seeds this took place in london at the tate modern in turbine hall in 2010 the work, as installed, was called 1 to 125 million, and subsequent installations have been titled Sunflower Seeds. I installed 100 million hand-painted porcelain sunflower seeds. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Which were produced by 1,600 Chinese artisans, specifically... Jing Dezhen artisans in a city where porcelain had been made for Chinese rulers and court for over 1,000 years. Mm. And it took these artists over two years to make. In total, the seeds weigh about 10 metric tons and spread out across the floor of Turbine Hall in a thin 10 centimeter layer. He's so cool. Okay, so I'm going to get into it. All but right, go for it. So the mass of tiny seeds represent that together. The people of China can stand up and overthrow the Chinese Communist Party. The seeds also refer to China's current mass automated production based on Western-style consumerist culture. The symbol of the sunflower was ubiquitous during the Cultural Revolution in China in the 1960s and 70s, and was often used as a visual metaphor for the country's communist leader, Chairman Mao, and more importantly, perhaps, the whole population. In Sunflower Seeds, I examines the complex exchanges between the one and the many, the individual and the masses, self and society. I encourage visitors to walk upon the seeds, considering the fragile sculptures as a metaphor for the downtrodden Chinese populace, Dang. until it was roped off because of a feared health hazard. Oh no. 
<laughs> so like people in the beginning were eating could, them or what? <laughs> so in one of the photos, you can see people are walking yeah, on them. So they're cool. sitting on them. You know, you're able, which is crazy. It's hand painted porcelain sunflower seeds. You think that people would be like, don't touch this visitor visitor I love it. <laughs> stay I back i love that they're on them it's um, so cool but as they got crushed down the dust that it was whatever oh. leaving behind they thought could be <laughs> yeah. toxic to your lungs okay yeah while the seeds were on display in london i was arrested and detained without explanation by chinese authorities for 81 days <gasps> i hate them during this period, they they the RA elected I an honorary royal academician in solidarity. So I was placed under house arrest in November 2010 by the Chinese police. He said this was to prevent the planned party making the demolition of his brand new Shanghai studio. Oh. The new studio was part of a new traditional design by Shanghai Municipal Jurisdiction. He was going to use it as a studio and mentor different architecture courses. After the fact, I had been charged with fabricating the structure without the required approval and the knockdown notice had been processed. I said officials had been anxious and the paperwork and planning process was under government supervision. I stated on November 3rd, 2010, the higher authorities had let him know two months earlier that the newly completed studio would be knocked down because it was illegal and did not meet the needs. I criticized that this was bias and he stated that he was the only one singled out to have my studio destroyed. Like other activists and intellectuals, I was stopped from leaving China in late 2010 I gave an idea that the higher-ups wanted to stop him from attending the ceremony in December 2010 to award the 2010 Nobel Peace Prize to fellow dissident Liu Xiaobo. I said that he was never invited to the ceremony and was attempting to travel to South Korea, in which he had an important meeting when he was told that he could not leave for reasons of national security. On January 11th, 2011, iStudio was knocked down and destroyed in a surprise move by the government. Fuck. They put him under house arrest so they could destroy his studio <laughs> while he wasn't there. Or like he couldn't stop. They were like, you're under house arrest, so I can't, you can, can't, you cannot stop us from destroying your studio. And they're destroying his studio because they just don't want more people learning slash creating under him, near him, or whatever, because he's a, dis a dissident. On April 3rd, 2011, I was arrested at Beijing Capital International Airport just before catching a flight to Hong Kong, and his studio facilities were searched. A police contingent of, this must be like, one of his other studios because his because it's January not of this year the other studio was knocked down. Okay. But that was a new one. Maybe this is yeah. his original fake his studios. Originals. Yeah. <laughs> the fake original real <laughs> studios. Police contingent of approximately fifty officers came to his studio, threw a cordon around it, and searched the premises. They took away laptops and the hard drive from the main computer along with I. Police also detained eight staff members and I's wife. Lu Qing. Police also visited the mother of I's two-year-old son. The what? Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs said on April 7th that I was under investigation for alleged economic crimes. The next day, the police returned to I's workshop to examine his financial affairs. Mm. And on the day after that, I's accountant, as well as studio partner Liu Zhengang and driver Zhang Jingsong disappeared, while I's assistant Wen Tao had remained missing since I's arrest on the 3rd. Oh my God. When he was arrested at the airport. Ai's wife said that she was summoned by the Beijing Chaoyang. District Tax Bureau, where she was interrogated about his studio's tax on the 12th. South China Morning Post reports that I received at least two visits from the police, the last being on March 31st, three days before his detention. In 2011, I was arrested on charges of tax evasion jailed for 81 days, and then released. The government had kept his passport confiscated and refused him any other travel papers. Following the return of his passport in 2015, I moved to Berlin where he maintained a large studio in a former brewery. 
He lived in the studio and used it as the base for his international work. So at the tail end of the installation at Tate Modern, that's when he was arrested. The sunflower seeds. Yes. Okay. When he was detained, it was for alleged economic crimes. It was later revealed that he was accused of tax evasion in what was seen as part of a widespread crackdown on dissent. So on, not on tax evasion, on dissent. <laughs> Let's be clear. Yeah. With he using was, tax evasion as a per, as a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was released on bail more than two months later with Chinese state media reporting that he had confessed to the charges against him. In November, I was levied with a tax bill of 15 million. Yuan. Oh my God. Which is $2.4 million. He contested the bill with the aid of private donations, but his final appeal was denied in court in September 2012, and shortly thereafter, he announced that Fake's business license had been revoked. The international media coverage of the incidents brought further attention to Ai's art. Yeah, like, this doesn't seem like a great, I don't know, I guess if you're the Chinese government, I can't decide what's worse, to let him (laughs) dissent, like, audibly throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Or to keep to try to keep him from dissenting, but then it's like a huge story that the government is trying to keep him from dissenting. Yep. Like, yep. what is worse? I can't dis- like. It's just bringing <laughs> more attention to him, and you know he's not going to shut up. He's I. Like, <laughs> maybe they should just not be communists. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just saying. So we're in 2013. It's the Venice. Biennial, Biennale, where I does not have you. One, he has zero works in there. I'm just <laughs> wanting to situate us in time. No, where he doesn't have just one, but three large works on display. Okay, perhaps Dang. the most exposure for any single artist at the international oh. festival. So here's the first one, which is stools that look kind of reminds me in harry potter when everything's mm-hmm. like falling down on them right yeah in the like room of forgotten goods or whatever what? <laughs> what's that Alohomora. <laughs> you um, know what i'm talking yes, about the room of requirement so there's all of these wooden stools in a tangle but also like way up into the air they're not even in a tangle. They're like of one another. Yeah. Like like there's one like the ones at the top, one stool is upright, but then the other stool is made of one of the three legs mm-hmm. of the other, except it's upside down. And they're old looking, mm-hmm. like very used, antique looking, but all the same exact type. It looks like a tumor kind of. <laughs> like it's just like growing up around things this stool one called bang it's a forest of hundreds of tangled wooden stools in china every family typically had at least one of these wooden stools that was passed on by every generation Mm -hmm. but since the cultural revolution the wooden chair has almost vanished from everyday life and plastic and aluminum have superseded wood as the common material for furniture which is garbage like (laughs) wood is so much more beautiful why would you change it to plastic cheaper but you've had it for like thousands of years just keep passing it down it's ugly (sighs) i don't like it i'm speaking for the chinese (laughs) (laughs) because i eyes work bang employs 886 three-legged wooden stools made by traditional craftsmen whose expertise is now something that is rare to find and has installed an expansive rhizomatic structure which speaks of the increasing volume of organisms in our world's megacities. The single stools can be interpreted as a metaphor for the individual and its relation to an overarching excessive system in a postmodern world which is developing faster than it can keep up with. Second piece. It's so beautiful. I bet it smells so specific. The second piece at the Biennial, which was installed in the Zueka project space on the island of Judeka, is called Straight, which is 150 tons of crushed rebar from schools that were flattened in the Sichuan earthquake in 2008. So this is 
remember when he was recovering all the names and everything? Yes, yeah. From the earthquake. So this is all the crushed rebar from that, which was recovered by the artist and his team who brought the crumbled steel rods as scrap before painstakingly straightening them and piling them up into a wave-like sculpture oh arrangement. Oh, God. I love it. And it's not like a cheesy wave, like, no. you know, like a... It almost looks more like a pulled away landscape of rolling hills yeah, yes. versus like a wave. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a wave. If it was a wave, it's like when you look out into the ocean and there's no waves coming where it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a little roll of yeah. the ocean kind of. This is the last one of the three. There's a lot of photos to get through. But lastly is Sacred, which is situated in the church of Sant'Antonin. Such a weird context <laughs> to be in that church. Yeah. It consists of six large iron boxes, which look like coffins. But like a weird dimension. It's like a little wider. Yeah. You go up to an visitor's peek inside. There's like a little eye viewing spot for them. And you peek in to see the sculptures, which are recreated scenes from eyes detention. So there's miniature, there's like a miniature eye being interrogated. And then on another one, it's a miniature eye showering or sitting on the toilet while two uniformed guards stand over him. And other scenes show him sleeping and eating, always in like the same sort of tiny space and always double guarded. This is so, so scary. And the sculptures are like pretty realistic. The uncanny hyper reality of the installation speaks of the fact that the experience made him fix all the details like a nightmare. For 81 Mm. days, he had nothing to do aside from his periods of being questioned, but memorize the minutest details of the tiny featureless rooms in which he was kept. The outside of the metal boxes is entirely blank. I was brought there hooded. The only detail of the cell's exterior he observed was on his release when he saw the number on the door, 1135. This feels so gross to look at. I don't like it. I'll keep these thoughts till the end, but go on. Okay. Next, in 2014, we have this large sculpture called Forever Bicycles. And it's been created a few different times in a few different ways. Whoa! That's so good. So the first time that I used bicycles was in his installation known as Very Yo. in 2008. As the years have passed, his use of bicycles has only gotten grander, as is evident in his piece titled The Forever Bicycles. The title alludes to the Forever brand, Yongjo, a company based in Shanghai whose mass-produced bicycles flooded the streets of China during the artist's childhood, yet remained financially out of reach for many, but also suggests a globally utilitarian form of transport now disappearing as car culture becomes predominant. The conceptual premise of this series consists of several to thousands of bicycles assembled into a composition, typically with an archway underneath for viewers to pass under. The work has existed in many iterations over time, each version site-specific to its location through the number of bicycles, positioning, and formation. I literally got butterflies when I saw it. Really? Yeah. Literal butterflies. It's cool, huh? It's really cool. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) It's just something, I guess, that you don't think you're going to see in your life. Like, you're never like, I'd like to see 1,000 bicycles somehow put together like this. And it's like, it's super organized because it's like a main shape, but then it's like 10 bicycles deep. So it has a, like a depth effect or like a movement almost, but it's still like. It's trippy. It's really cool. But the fact that you get to walk underneath it and stuff is so cool. Okay, we're coming down to the last few. Okay. So, Soleil Levant in 2017. What? I'm just trying to figure out what it is. I like how you're building. (laughs) It's like closer, 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 closer. closer. I still don't know what it is. Life jackets? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Okay. We're in Copenhagen. It's a really (laughs) beautiful brick building with 14 huge like arched windows, seven across stacked and 
It looks like the building is bursting. <laughs> bursting with something. It's yeah. Mostly it's like, like stuff orangey is like black. pushing out of like a, an orange black. It looks like lot like drying lava is like being pushed out the windows. Mm-hmm. Um it's so and then cool. you get closer and it's just stacked orange and black material, and you get closer and closer, and then you start seeing that it's life jackets in all of the windows in this building completely stacked completely full yeah yeah so the opening of eyes new installation produced specifically for kunsthal charlottenborg in copenhagen took place on united nations international refugee day which is june 20th in 2017 named soleil levant the installation barricaded the windows of kunsthal charlottenborg with more than 3,500 salvaged life jackets collected from refugees arriving at the Greek islands of Lesbos. Dang. The name of the work stems from Claude Monet's painting Impression Soleil Levant from 1872, which depicts the harbor in Le Havre. Havre? At the end of the 1872, 71 Franco-Prussian War. Whereas Monet's landscape painting captures the political and social reality of its time with its cranes, steamboats, and industrialization, Eyes Soleil Levant draws attention to the political and social reality of today through refugees' life jackets. According to United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, 1,377,000 349 individuals arrived in Europe via sea in 2015 and 16. In the same period, over 8,000 individuals have died or disappeared Mm -hmm. attempting this journey. It's the widespread humanitarian crisis which I aims to bring focus on. Uh, In 2019, he announced that he would be leaving Berlin, saying that Germany is not an open culture. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I just be grateful that you're not in China. <laughs> and in September, he moved to live in Cambridge, England. Okay. I don't know anything about Britain. <laughs> it is unknown territory for me. All I know is I'm so tired of superpowers after growing up in a country aspiring to be one. And the U.S. is so backward in many ways. Mm-hmm. I just want a safe home for my son where he can be educated in English. Aww. He said he would always be grateful for the German chancellor for enabling him to find a safe haven in Berlin, but he said during this time that he had felt frustrated at being excluded from political and social debate, and he would remain relevant only if he was able to participate in the conversation. So in 2019, here's this work called Roots, which is just that so pretty. This is probably a work that I find the most attractive. That, that tracks for me. This is, I'm less interested in this. (laughs) (laughs) That tracks for me. (laughs) Um, So it's the show made up of a few different components, but we will get into that. It's a series of monumental sculpture works in iron cast from giant tree roots sourced in Brazil. I worked with local artisans and communities across Brazil in the east uh, to locate roots and trunks of the endangered Pequi Vinagriro, typically found in the Bayan rainforest. Bayan? I don't know. Yeah. And also it could be like indigenous names. Yeah. Yeah. Elements of these rare tree roots, some of which could be over a thousand years old, were painstakingly molded, conjoined, and then cast to create striking compositions and bold forms that reflect their Brazilian heritage. So, Olive, do you want to describe these? Uh, Sure. It's tree roots. (laughs) It's giant iron tree roots, kind of just... They look all like orange, rusty. Yeah. And they're kind of just... Like sideways, like it's not straight up like, oh, it's growing the way it normally grows. It's like taken out of context of the rest of the tree and then just like placed sideways. It almost kind of reminds me of how driftwood will just like be on the beach, just stand mm-hmm. like in a weird, like the tree wouldn't be like that. Oh, this one has joined by a piece of metal, mm-hmm. like two different. So a lot of them are like conjoined. Yeah. They look like kind of one piece, but... 
if you look at where they're put together, it's usually like two or a couple pieces put together. And it's obvious. Like, it's just like a piece of metal. Screwing them to together. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, um, yeah, we'll start there. Okay. So, while some resemble great jungle beasts or fantastical creatures, others consist of shattered, exploded root forms radiating outward from a central nexus. All titles came as suggestion from Ai's young son, Ai Lao, based on his personal observations or connections made while visiting the trees. Mm. Contrasting these heavy, land-bound creatures is a number of floating figures, clouds, and dreamlike vignettes. Ai has been producing delicate sculptures from stretched silk over bamboo armature for the past five years, employing a group of Chinese kite makers based mm. in Weifang, a city in Shandong province. In the past, Ai has enlisted the help of Chinese kite makers to produce these large, delicate designs. The papery hangings reference his past works, hands giving the middle finger. Ai's trademark symbol of defiance rained down from between curly clouds and winged beasts, casting faint shadows on the wall behind. So, I don't know if you can I see. I gotta go back up, yeah. If you look at all the little things, are middle finger oh. hands <laughs> facing <laughs> That's down. That's funny, yeah. It's really yeah. pretty looking. Mm-hmm. Really pretty. I guess not multiple shadows, but like, I guess because of their distance from the wall, different distances, like some of the shadows are more intricate clear looking and others are like mm-hmm. bigger softer because they're further away yeah it's really cool it kind of reminds me of a small version of the kinetic sculptures that move on the beach because of the wind yes yeah yeah, yeah. they kind of look like little tiny versions That's it's a very true. similar aesthetic mm-hmm. agreed and then lastly, the show ends with the development of Ai's experimentation with Lego bricks. Ooh. These new wall-based works feature politically charged pixelated renderings of the trajectory of a refugee boat refused docking at Lampedusa. After two weeks at sea, the front page of the Mueller report into Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election as well as deconstructed symbol of the contentious protests of Tiananmen Square in 1918. My pronunciation is going down. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so one is so the, the trajectory one at the, the bottom, yeah. Okay. Is the trajectory of the boat. Then here's the election one. I showed this angle so it's all pixelated because up above, yeah. behind the roots, it just looks like normal. I don't know, like a big painting or printout yeah and there was another one i didn't like the look of it so i didn't include it that um but look up illumination 2019 it's like a bad phone picture in an elevator with the flash reflecting off the doors of him and then guards who were following him at a protest and that's made of legos yeah it doesn't fit with the other ones as much that's why i didn't include it yeah it's the only thing with like high saturation and yeah. human representation and stuff. Uh-huh. Feels very out of place. Huh. Okay. I was like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, wow, look at you just telling me curating my art when I already curated it. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to include is Coronation. From last year, it is a documentary film about the lockdown in Wuhan, China, during the COVID-19 outbreak in spring 2020. Chinese officials repeatedly denied that human-to-human transmission was possible, concealed the number of diagnosed patients, and punished medical staff for disclosing information about the epidemic. On January 23, 2020, Wuhan was placed under a citywide lockdown, Coronation examines the political specter of Chinese state control from this first to the last day of the Wuhan lockdown. The film records the state's brutally efficient, militarized response to the control of the virus. Sprawling emergency field hospitals were erected in a matter of days. 40,000 medical workers were bussed in from all over China, and the city's residents were sealed into their homes. The film takes us into the heart of these temporary hospitals and ICU wards, showing the entire process of diagnosis and treatment. Patients and their families are interviewed, reflecting their thinking about the pandemic and expressing anger and confusion over the state's callous restrictions of their liberties. The film also takes us into the private lives of individuals living under lockdown. 
a couple attempting to return to their home in Wuhan, a courier delivers essentials to residents barred from leaving their community, an emergency construction worker stuck in limbo is forced to live out of his car, Mm. a grieving son navigates the bureaucracy of retrieving his father's ashes. The film shows the changes that took place in a city and an individual space under the impact of the virus. Ultimately, the result is a society lacking trust, transparency, and respect for humanity. Despite the impressive scale and speed of the Wuhan lockdown, we face a more existential question. Can civilization survive without humanity? Can nations rely on one another without transparency or trust? I remotely directed and produced the film from Europe. The filming was done by ordinary citizens living in Wuhan. Yeah, so he can't go back to China, right? <laughs> Not allowed. <laughs> or I mean, China's he could. Like, what are you doing? Get out yeah, of here. How did you do this? We already kicked you out. Yeah. Um uh, well, they we didn't arrest him they from didn't kick t- kick him out, right? <laughs> um the my first thought of course, not of course, but my first thought was a little bit like containing something like this would be more efficient in a country like China. Mm-hmm. Like now we're dealing with a different side of not caring about other people's lives. Yeah. Like a whole yeah. opposite perspective where people get to do whatever they want. We care about their liberties, but then because of that, they're causing people to die. So I rented it on Amazon and watched this last night. Oh, okay. Next, next thing. No, no, no. The co- the Corona Nation. Oh, you. Oh, okay. Coronation. Uh-huh. Um, it was a slow paced documentary, but like really interesting. So if you have the stamina <laughs> to watch a slow paced film, lots of apocalyptic scenes of cities that felt like it was taken from 28 Days Later franchise, yeah. you know, just like empty freeways and no one around. Yeah. And then lots of footage of people in the hospital working with patients. But then at the very end, people were trying to get ashes back and this one guy, like everyone's just waiting and he's at the table and he's holding these ashes and he's like crushing it and crushing it. And it's like he's kneading bread and he's yeah. just like you're hearing everything like crunch yeah. and he's trying to get it compacted enough to fit into like an urn. And he's like putting it in and he's like crushing it down again to fit. And then he's talking about how his hands are hurting from doing this. It's just this very removed experience yeah. of, you know, not a like human a, life. Yeah. That's super sad. Um, So to wrap up, as of 2021, I lives in Portugal. He still maintains a base in Cambridge where his son attends school and a studio in Berlin. I says he will stay in Portugal long term, quote, unless something happens. (laughs) And then this last quote from an article on Frame said, You once said, I want to be remembered as a failure and further explained, quote, that means that guy made an endless effort but failed what do you want to try and fail at doing i said i made a strong attempt to express my ideas in china of course i think that those ideas could help china change to become a more reasonable society and a better environment for individuals it would especially benefit young people and encourage them to be more creative china needs more imagination as a result of my attempts i ended up being detained beaten up and substantially fined I've had endless confrontations in my efforts in trying to make my point clear. Still at the end, I was being forced out of the country. I cannot even have my social media and internet activities in China. I'm totally shut off. There have even been threats to me and my family. That's what I would call a total failure. Nice work, I. You did it. There's a ton of work that I didn't even come close to, including he has documentaries go look those up go look up all of his work and do a deep dive on that so i got all this information from britannica frame web tate royal academy public delivery kunstal charlottenburg design boom royal academy again um okula lyson gallery and the guardian and his own website thank you very much that is I. What were you going to You said I'm going to save something till the end. <laughs> I just wrote down scary bad people. <laughs> oh my God. 
I think what I was going to say, like I just started thinking in that piece where he's made those boxes and it was those lifelike sculptures of him being detained. I just was thinking, seeing one of the guards faces, like his facial expression and thinking, do you think he's really a bad guy or do you think he just is scared? And then like in that, going all the way up the up the ranks and being like who is really the culprit like i think everybody who participates is the culprit but like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day all those people are scared for good reason and brainwashed and brainwashed so like a lot of times it just comes down to a few bad people that were really violent and then scared everybody it just feels really um frustrating that I genuinely believe that most people are good and it just is frustrating. It's like the porcelain seeds. You just think there's so many of us. Why money and power, I guess. And violence is power, but it's just really frustrating. That's a way to end this. Goodbye. (laughs) Any uplifting things to. Oh yeah. Let's say what we're grateful for. That always helps. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you, too. I'm glad I finally got to see your face. Me, too. Okay. I love you. Love all you guys. Love you. Rate, review. Rate. Subscribe. Send me your address. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.